Hello, you're listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast, season three. Brought to you by the VoiceOver Network. Sponsored by Hindenburg, Apogee, Source Elements, and Focusrite. My name's Rachel Naylor, and I'm your host. I've been a voice actor for over 20 years, working in all areas of voiceovers, including video games, commercials, promos, and narration. I'm editor of The Buzz magazine, founder and director of The VoiceOver Network, and I'm also a multi-award-winning entrepreneur. The VoiceOver Network is the number one place for voiceover professionals to get the best training, help, support, opportunities, and access to an amazing supportive community. We are all about helping, supporting, and strengthening the voiceover industry. The VoiceOver Hour podcast? Well, it takes you behind the scenes in the voiceover industry, sharing stories, insights, and so much more. They'll be dropping every Tuesday. They'll be up to an hour long, and I'll be talking to some fantastic experts in our industry, including voice actors, agents, producers, and casting directors. They'll be sharing their stories, as well as information and advice to help you with your voiceover journey. I started the VoiceOver Network seven years ago because I wanted to create a safe place for voiceover professionals to come together, to help and support each other, to get the right information and to strengthen this incredible industry we work in. The VoiceOver Network is a global community of voiceover professionals and I'm so proud of what we've created. I want to empower you on your journey. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome to the VoiceOver Hour podcast. I'm really excited about this interview. We've actually got two fantastic guests for you today, uh, and we're going to be talking all about AI, uh, which is a hot topic in the voiceover world. So hopefully we're going to get some questions answered and hear from our two fantastic guests um, talking today all about AI. Uh, so we've got Rupal Patel and we've got Ian Russell, just to give you a little bit of a introduction, guys. So Rupal is Rupal Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Vocal ID, a voice AI company that creates synthetic voices with personality for discerning brands that understand the power of customized voice and for individuals living with speechlessness uh, who want to be heard in a voice um, that is uniquely theirs. So Vocal ID ID uh, is a spin-out of RuPaul's research lab at the Northeastern University, where she is a professor with interdisciplinarian appointments. You're going to help me with this. What's that? Curie College? A, yeah, Bouvet College of Health Science and the Curie College of Computer go. Science. Perfect. Named one of Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. Wow. RuPaul has been featured on TED NPR, Wired, and in major international news and technology publications. Welcome. It is such a pleasure to be here with you, Rachel and Ian. Yeah, I'm so, so pleased to have you. Fantastic. And Ian Russell. Ian is a British voice actor living in the USA. Back in 2012, his wife bought him uh, an experience 
gift for Christmas, uh, which was a one day introduction to voiceover. Two years later, in 2014, he started his voiceover business. He's now a multi nominated and multi award winning talent, uh, including Voice of the Year 2020. He can be heard in campaigns around the world, including a global brand campaign for Intel and the UK localization TV ad for Norm. Uh, he's an established gaming and animation voice. You might know him as Locke in Payday 2 in Warhammer 40k. Um, Psyker, not pesk. Psyker, right. <laughs> it might be a bit um, pesky, but... <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, yes, so you you are a fantastic, fantastic voice actor. So welcome, Ian. Thanks, Rachel. Good to see Yay. you. Good to you. I don't know which way. I don't know. Yeah, Both. <laughs> so lovely to have you on the VoiceOver Hour podcast. Wonderful. So yes, so today we're talking about AI. And obviously AI is such a, you know, it's an interesting kind of technology and so I want to kind of put it out to both of you guys. So what place does AI have in the industry right now? But do you I'll want to take that, RuPaul? You're the, you're the expert here. Well, I, I, I'm actually curious to see how you see it because um, I can talk, talk about the technology side, but I think from the industry side, I think you'd be better equipped to maybe answer that. Okay. Well, okay. Well, here's, I don't know if it's an exact answer to your question, Rachel, but We've seen probably over the last couple of years, you know, the ads on Facebook and so on, you know, listen to this voice. It just sounds like a proper human. And, and you know, that the AI uh, uh, visibility has has increased massively, I think, over the last uh, year or two. Um, and, you know, people are using it. People are buying AI voices for their for their projects. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's a. Uh, uh, what's the word? It's a disruptive technology, I think, yeah. to, to an industry that isn't used to it being there. Suddenly, this thing arrives, and as creatives, we all go, ah, all our jobs are going to go away, and we're all going to be homeless. Um, but I think the reality is actually far from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when you start putting your your business head on rather than your, you know, your, your scared, creative emotional head, yes. emotional head, yes. yeah, thank you. Um, you, you start seeing that maybe there are opportunities uh, to, to be had as a voice actor, mm-hmm. that the most disruptive technologies create new markets. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, as a businessman and most people, you know, if you've heard me speak at conferences and such like that's the kind of angle that I generally take is is a business uh, view of things. Uh, and so I started looking at what the opportunities were, and I spoke to a whole bunch of different AI companies that were starting to, to emerge. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, RuPaul was was the lady that won my heart. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you. It's really Valentine's Day, RuPaul. Yay. It is, and you're both in beautiful red. Um, uh, I, I absolutely agree with you, Ian. Um, but I also want to say that um, AI voice had other names in the past, right? Synthetic speech, um, IVR. You know, there are very many names that has been associated with AI voice in the past. And they were different technologies, but it's the same sort of thing. Whereas um, some, you know, in the past, because it was so expensive to make a synthetic voice of some that sounded like someone and it still didn't sound that good, yeah. you know, there were only a few voice talent that really were part of this 
market before, right? If you think about Susan Bennett, you know, there were a few sort of winning voice talent way back, um, let's just say 10 years ago, right? Um, Today, where I think AI and the voiceover industry are is that one, the technology has improved vastly. And so it sounds so much more like the individual that you're trying to make it sound like. Ian's voice, the one that we have built at Vocal ID, is beautiful. It's an amazing voice. You know, much better um, than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's a, it's, I think it's a partnership. So what was only possible for a few voice talent a few years ago, even a decade ago, is now actually possible for so many more. So it's an industry that is, yes, it's disrupting, um, or AI is going to be disrupting the voiceover industry, but it's also one that we can think of as a new tool in the, in the toolbox for AI voice talent, i uh, sorry, for voice talent to broaden their business. And I understand that voice talent are um, concerned about this being something that will eat away at their business. But I think that in many ways, um, it's actually going to expand their business as opposed to someone else's voice being the AI voice. It's actually your voice. So you can monetize on it in your, rather than having that business go to maybe even a a lesser paid talent or a generic AI voice. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Because yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of, it's an interesting part of our industry. And of course, you know, yes, you know, voice actors, we're, we're used to kind of getting a script and and reading it. And, and, and it's such a, it's such a new thing on the scene. And I do know, I know a few people who have done AI voice stuff and I've done some as well. It's quite strange to sort of think, yes, you, you record a bunch, you know, you record a whole load of stuff and then that's it. You know what I mean? And then you guys, you know, uh, you know, create the, 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 the sentences and, the recordings from those those bits that we've recorded, which which is fascinating as well, because it's not quite as straightforward, I think, as people think. And and probably when I did it way back, you know, I had to 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 say, you know, one one one. Uh, I I mean, I don't know whether it's that sort of whether the recording is like that. From what I know from Alexa's, you know, is that they they record whole lines and then you're able to take what you need from those lines and then re re kind of put them together. Am I making sense? <laughs> you are. And so you're actually describing old, describing an older kind of speech synthesis technology yeah. called concatenative synthesis, um, where you actually had to say hours on end of audio. And I was, it, I was and, in there for weeks, honestly. Right. <laughs> right. And also you probably had to say it in different tones to make sure yeah. that when those little bits of speech were glued together again, that they didn't sound awkward or odd or the pitch breaks weren't noticeable. The newer technology based on machine learning techniques um, isn't actually taking your actual recordings and stitching them back back together. They are taking those recordings um, in order to train the machine to speak like you, um, but it's not actually the recordings. And the way they resynthesize the voice is not the actual recordings. It's actually the mathematical equations, or if you want to call them that, the algorithms recreating your speech um, for a novel piece of text. So 
I think a lot of times people have who have done voiceover jobs in the past for IVR voices or for text-to-speech voices have a misconception that what's happening here is just little bits of their recordings being sold again, and it's just, you know, c- combining them again. And even that technology wasn't just combining them again. There was a lot that went into that. Yeah. But this is, you know, while this is still called text-to-speech, it's sometimes people refer to it as neural text-to-speech uh, because it is a different method methodology that's being used. And also in the past, it was very hard to get real good inflection and real the tone because you had to almost speak in a very neutral way to make sure that the recordings weren't so awkward when they were stitched back up together. Now the control is far more flexible and you can get more, um, you know, you can get a little bit more prosody. You can get that voice quality that's more interesting and unique. Um, and you require a lot less speech to make it, which is what makes it also a lot more scalable in the long run where we can make, you know, hundreds of voices. You still can't make thousands of voices probably unless you have money bags lying around, Um, but there is a capability to make more. And so I think it's a democratization also of creating AI voices that are as unique as the world we hear and that we live in. Wonderful. And and just going into the kind of, because there are going to be voice actors listening to this that are going to be, oh, but AI is going to, you know, it's going to take over and then I'm going to lose all my, my jobs. And I know, Ian, you said that at the beginning. I mean, yeah, what would you, what would you say to people who, who are scared that they're going to lose their livelihoods um, to, to, you know, computers? You know, I think, uh, I guess in theory, somewhere down the line, a machine might be good enough to to replace a human, you know, per se. But I, I think in in the in the shorter term, and I'm by that I mean probably five to ten years anyway. I, I don't I don't actually see that happening. Um, no. It's much like it, the argument, I suppose, is similar to the the whole the rates question. You know, the people at the top of the market, the BMWs, the Microsofts and so on, who want uh, a a top uh, talent to to bring every nuance out of their script are not going to hire an AI voice to do that. They're still going to hire a human to do that because you still need that ability to interpret yeah. Um, and and so I think I think that's perhaps the first thing. I think initially, probably where where the voiceover industry will be impacted is right at the at the bottom level. Yeah. It's it's the it's where people are fighting to do things for five and ten dollars. Mm. You know, and I'm talking about clients who don't want to spend the money. Yeah. You know, um, uh, they're looking always for ways of of cutting you know, a, a cost element out. And if they can, and I'm not even sure, Rupal, you'll probably answer this better than me, but I'm not even sure right now whether an AI voice technology, because there's a lot of initial cost to put everything together, mm. whether you can still even afford to sell that at the kind of rate that some people are selling their voices at, you know, and some of these uh, you know, freelancer site places. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I don't think you can. I mean, I think it does cost to build the voice. Um, but I also think that one of the things is it's it's not just about the cost, it's also about the flexibility. So there are certain jobs that 
voice talent just aren't doing because the demand for our audible content these days is just skyrocketing. Like think about the ways in which we're consuming information these days. Most of us mm-hmm. are consuming it by listening, right? And there's a lot of that content that is becomes stale very quickly. So unless it is voiced aloud very quickly, it's there's no point to having that voiced aloud, you know, two days later. Um, think about even in this pandemic, there were so many things where we needed to get the messaging out really, really quickly. And if you weren't available, they moved on from you, Ian, to the next person that was available, yeah. right? Or they even went to, you know, someone on the Fiverr group, or maybe even just a generic text-to-speech like Google. What this is doing is saying, Ian's voice can be actually available to you instead of having to go all the way um, to a generic voice or someone else completely, right? Why not use Ian's voice when Ian's not available? Ian's on vacation. um, It's, you know, middle of the night, um, but they want a brand that's consistent across Mm -hmm. their messaging. And they already are using Ian for maybe the high-end commercials or whatever. Why not also have him be the consistent brand across everything? And so I think that, um, you know, I don't even think that even in, you know, 10 years, really, there are, what's going to happen is the the creative um, expectations of human voice talent is just going to get pushed up, right? And so the stuff that you do that's really creative and what you're doing, Rachel, right now, at the beginning of this, you know, when you you were talking and, and introducing this, we're not going to get an AI to do this. And I think, Ian, you might have already used Parrot Studio Vocal IDs product. Once you've built a voice, you can type in the content and have it produce all this content. You'll see if anyone uses some of these tools is that it's not like 100% accurate yeah. because even you as a voice talent aren't 100% accurate. Script isn't written to be read aloud, right? Mm. You emote, you use your talent and your skill and your knowledge of having done this for years to know how to bring those words to life, right? Mm. If you just type in text and expect the machine is going to bring it to life, I mean, you're living in sci-fi world, right? And, yeah. and there's not enough you know, there's not enough cues in written text to know how to read it aloud. It's not like a musical score, right? So there's a lot of new technologies that are going to have to be developed to really, to do that. And what I think is going to happen is just going to actually push the real, it's going to separate the real voice talent from what has become a little bit of a gig economy, right? Where um, there's already that happening. So I actually think it's just yet another market player in this ecosystem that's been developing actually for many years now. Amazing. Amazing. On that point, we're just going to take a short break to hear from some of our fabulous sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Apogee, Hindenburg, Source Elements, and Focusrite. Source Elements Pioneers in remote recording since 2005, whether you're narrating lines for films, audiobooks, animation or video games, with Source Connect, you will deliver remote voiceover takes in the highest quality and in perfect sync over the internet. This podcast is brought to you by Focusrite Vocaster. Focusrite's recording interfaces have already helped make more recordings than any other, ever. Now with Vocaster, it has never been so simple to get the best sounding podcast with auto gain, enhance, and easy start tool. All the things you need to get recording. Focaster is the easiest way to set up your show. Find out more at focusrite.com or search Vocaster. Tell the world. 
This podcast was sponsored by Apogee, your audio solution. When it comes to home studios, Apogee is on the cutting edge, providing excellence in every area. They creatively think outside the box to create solutions for all the day-to-day problems faced by voiceover artists. And finally, Hindenburg Narrator, intelligent and intuitive software editing to solve your most common audiobook narration challenges. From uneven levels and noise reduction to ACX and Findaway validation. Download your exclusive Von 60-day trial and $50 discount code at hindenburg.com forward slash voiceover network. Okay, guys, we are back. Um, so it's really, really fascinating hearing both of your, you know, your thoughts and and, and your knowledge about AI. Um, so let's talk about opportunities. Let's talk about, you know, the positivity of AI as a voice actor. So where are the opportunities? I think, well, for, for me, when I was l- looking at, you know, am I going to create an AI voice? Um, the things that really struck me were, um, you know, there are only so many hours in the day and I choose not to compete in certain markets that are time intensive, uh, rapid turnaround. Um, and, you know, I, I'd rather spend my time doing more fun things. So uh, and this, I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but it's true for me. Um, so things like, you know, telephone messaging. Uh, I, I don't really don't odd bits and pieces. It's not a market that I'm in. Mm. And, uh, you know, a business like RuPaul's can help me be in that market. And, you know, I'm not competing with myself for sure. Um, uh, I, I, I'm gray, you know, there's going to come a time where, you know, my voice is still strong. I've still got very good vocal stamina, but there's going to come a time where, where my vocal muscle tone will, drift away and i'll only get the voices there. i'll only be able to do those but if i've created a younger version of me that can still work when i metaphorically can't then it can still do things that i'm not available to do uh so as a you know as a sort of from a business point of view that's that's kind of where where i'm at and then and then there's access to like rupert was alluding to you know the 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 iot the you know the the internet of things just everything is going to be speaking to you yeah yeah um you know we i remember back in the maybe the 80s there was a austin maestro some of the older people might remember the austin maestro in the uk and it had you know it spoke back at you Mm. Uh, and I think cars more and more are going to do that. Yeah. Um, fridges, you know, you'll put your shopping list and you can do this already with Alexa. But I think, you know, all the other makers of these things are going to go, here you go. Here's a fridge freezer with a built in shopping list thing. They probably exist already, but I'm, you know, making it out of a kettle. You know, it'll say, hey, the old tea's ready, you know, or whatever. So there, there's all sorts of things that I'm not interested in in competing and being involved in, but my AI voice certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm interested in the fact that I think that people will be thinking, you know, when they think of AI, they think of Alexa, they think of Siri, they think of the, you know, those 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 bigger, you know, no, 
known voices. Um, so I think for a lot of people, it'd be quite. It's, it's very interesting to think that there is there is work for voice actors in the you know not you know not Alexa, but in the kind of the the normal businesses AI. Right. So think about something like um, in-store messaging. Um, or think about something like phone messaging, like um, like Ian was talking about. Um, as I mentioned earlier, during this pandemic, we had so many of those messages that were outdated, right? Because yeah. you had to wait for someone to come in, and 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 in some ways, some talent um, really benefited. A handful yeah. of talent really benefited, which is typically what happens in this market, right? So there's a small group of people that really benefit, and then there's a lot a bunch of other people that really want those jobs too, but it doesn't ever get to them because. Uh, maybe they're not in the right place at the right time or whatever it may be. But in these cases where that information was time sensitive, it would have been great to have Ian's voice there, right? So he could yeah. have voiced that out loud and gotten those jobs um, where that turnaround of the content was so rapid, it needed to have to be voiced out aloud, where also the volume was so much that, you know, to have uh, someone you know, record a lot of volume would just be too expensive and be, you know, prohibitive for some of the customers where this potentially could give them that um, capability. So our sweet spot is the kind of people that we work with, the kind of clients we work with are where they have a lot of volume of content. There's a lot of quick changeovers. And there's also, they, they want diversity. They want voices that are localized because in today's world, People don't want their product to sound just like Siri and Alexa and Google. They want to hear Ian and Rachel and Rupal and others, right? They want to hear the voices that they hear in their everyday world in their products and services too. And so it's really important that we be able, we're able to give them those options rather than just those few options as we're listening more to more and more content. Also, it's not believable. If you, if you just have an AI that sort of sounds quite generic and you want to have messages that are convincing, say, just take the public health messaging or even um, you know some educational apps and things. There are industries where it would make so much more difference in terms of adoption of the information and of the technology itself or the product if the voice sounded like it belonged to the community that it was for. So I think it's really important that we think beyond just ease and, and cost about what is the function? Why do we even put voice on um, applications? It's because we want to convince people to do something or to engage with something. And that means having a voice that actually fits. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, I, I know that. So what about protection? How can voice actors protect themselves uh, and protect their voices in, in the AI world? Yeah. So, I mean, one is make sure that when you are creating um, an AI voice, you're working with a company where you understand what that, how that AI voice will be used in the, in the future. So in, a, in our case, it's a revenue share model that we work. So our voice talent are our partners into monetizing this. And we um, not only, we, it, there's no blanket use case, right? It's a Ian says, okay, he wants to work in the IVR and the in-store, you know, things like that, that he doesn't do and wants to expand. Well, that's how Ian's voice will be licensed in the future, right? Um, and it's it's really um, a question of trying to understand that, um, what that means, um, how much time it's going to take the end user to create your voice. So I think sometimes some people look at these opportunities and they want they want to grab the entire thing and say, well, you know what? I'm only going to do certain things and I'm going to control my voice so much. 
unless you really are open to the opportunities that are coming forth in, an, in a real open way, either you're going to really restrict yourself or you're going to give it away. So you ha- there's something in the middle, I think that makes sense, is being informed, yeah. making sure that um, you are not being so protective that you'll never get any opportunities, but also making sure that you're not, you're not giving your voice away. This is your livelihood. So I think be informed is the number one thing I'd say, um, and understand what the marketplace is and also understand how these voices are going to be used, um, in terms of, it is not, some companies will tell you, you know, all I need is five minutes of your time and you get to record your voice. I'm telling you that five minute voice is never, ever going to be marketable. <laughs> it's, you know, so you have to put in the effort to make a really good voice. And once that voice is go- is done, you also have to put the mark in the effort to market that voice. Otherwise you'll have done this great project in some ways or experiment and you'll never make money on it. So um, you have to be open to trying out new things um, with a, with a cautious understanding of sort of, you know, making sure that you are not shooting yourself in the foot. And, um, and this is a partnership. Yeah, absolutely. In, in, in a similar, if I'll just add a little something to that from, from my experience, a little, really little something, sorry, Rachel, but so I spoke to several people and, and they all told me how they were going to control the data. Um, and some had much less control over the data than others. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're considering, if you want to make an AI voice with someone, ask them about how they're going to manage your data because that's what your voice ultimately ends up as. Definitely. You guys are incredible. Thank you so much for joining us on the VoiceOver Hour podcast. It's been really, really interesting. And yeah, you've shared so much great advice. Thank you both so much. Can I share a quick plug? We are going to do a session at um, the VO Atlanta conference that's coming up around AI voice and the future of AI voice. And it's going to be a panel. I hope that uh, those of you who are interested and curious will come, will join us there, either virtually or in person. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to get you, get you, you know, coming back for, for more. Sorry, it's been so quick, guys. This has been amazing. You're both awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for listening to the VoiceOver Hour podcast, season three. Brought to you by the VoiceOver Network. With special sponsors, Hindenburg, Apogee, Source Elements, and Focusrite. My name's Rachel Naylor. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you check out our next episode, bringing you more behind-the-scenes stories in the voiceover industry.